All right, I want to just thank you, everybody, for being here. Uh, we're going to go straight to the uh, covering. I'm going to touch on some things as we go, but I have extra slides this morning that are for review. And I believe everybody got the opportunity, if you didn't, um, I didn't print any out today, but uh, for the first part of the lesson. And I want to just say this with regard to that, and what I'm talking about is the online uh, homework assignment, which is about the voice of the blood of Jesus, and this is on the website. And you need to print it out to, or get a friend. Some people made friends. Get a friend to print it out for you. Okay, it's easy. Dr. Baker was able to do it. You go straight to it. And also the review um, every week as we have different uh, portions or outlines because you're getting outlines after the fact because <laughs> we don't know what it's going to say yet. Um, <laughs> but you get the outlines. I'm not expecting you to have these complete every Sunday. You're going to walk this walk, and you're going to get as much, uh, not even just revealed knowledge, but the power to walk in this as you are willing to put into going after it. That's it. All right? So this is what that is. So this is not, you're not going to turn this in to me. How will we know? We'll know because the blood will testify and the evidence will be seen that we are people that are walking in the truth of this word. This word works. Because God himself says, I am the one that hastens over my own word, and I perform it. So therefore, there is no failure in the word of God. That's the quality of the word of God. And when it's talking pertaining to the blood of Jesus, he's talking about the elements of the word of God. So therefore, as you pursue this, as you go through this lesson, and even review it again, because it's not all caught in one moment. This is the rest of our lives on this earth, that this provision has been made, and so to become intimately acquainted with the power or the voice of the blood of Jesus is for the rest of our lives. It is not a six-week module that we do and then we move on to something else. This is the groundwork. This is the this is kingdom foundations. This pertains to the pattern of the tabernacle of those things that are apostle releases. So uh, I don't have an expectation for you, but I dare say that the Holy Spirit has set a standard for us, right? For us to walk in. So what are we doing, Father? I thank you that this is the covering that you have given to us. I thank you that these are the words that you have given us to speak. We thank you for your word that tells us that we are in the secret place of the Most High God, and we abide under the shadow of the Almighty God. We are in your light, walking in the light as you are in the light, and the light is so bright, so startling, that darkness cannot find us. And we praise you and we worship you. We're covered by the blood. We're covered by your word. We're covered in your, in your glory, your spirit, your presence. And none can breach those protections that you have given to us. And we choose to stay in that as your word is engrafted in us.
and grows us and manifests through us and all of the other millions and millions and millions of in, uh, and insurmountable things that your word does. We glorify you for your word, for your presence, for your blood. For your spirit. And we worship you. Worship you over your word. Worship you over your blood, over your truth, over the victory that we have because of Jesus. We thank you. Amen. So today what we're going to look at is patterns of obedience. And that's a part of uh, what it talks about in terms of what the blood of Yeshua is about. So let's look at these scriptures. Uh, the first one, and again, you don't have to take these notes unless you want to take notes because you're going to have the notes. So it's my, my mom, also my apostle, taught me a long time ago. When I first hear a message, she would tell me, I want you to listen to this tape. I want you to listen to this. I want you to listen to this. Put your paper down. Take no notes. That's what she told me. I want you just to hear it. In your mind, you're formulating this, that, and the other. She says, no, you don't. I want you to receive what's being said first. Then, and we have a three-time-around way of, of listening. The first time, just listen. The second time, you take very sporadic notes. Just write, jot down thoughts or the scriptures. The third time, you start to dig into this thing because now you're going to listen differently. And so this is what I, I, I it's just, it's a foundational teaching that I have been using for a lot of years. And I have to tell you, it makes the difference because I'm not getting ahead. I'm, I'm, I'm getting it in so that I know what I'm listening for. And then as I go back the second time, it's like I remember them saying such and such, and it's like now I'm hearing it with the expectation, with the desire to hear it. So the first time people are just like, well, this is what we have to do. Or sometimes they're eager to hear it. It's a different attitude. But the second time around is a willingness that was not there the first time. It's an increase of that. And the third time, that's a deliberate. That's an intentional. Now I'm going after this. It's a different attitude. I'm not listening to this just to hear it. I'm listening in this to hear what is being said so that it's reading me. All right? So that's one thing. You just listen, absorb, and and, and so forth. So the first scripture, Exodus 25, it says, Speak to the children of Israel that they bring me an offering. From everyone who gives it willingly with his heart, you shall take my offering and this, the offering which you take from them. And then it goes on, and it, it, it the silver, the gold, the bronze, which is a teaching all by itself. And, and then he gets to this, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. Let them make me a sanctuary. Bring me an offering, a free will offering, an offering that you choose to give. And then at the end of it, and he gave the elements, the types of offering to bring. And then let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell. This offering that we brought is part of this sanctuary. This is a pattern that he was establishing. Go on. The next one says, according to all that I show you, the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all its furnishings, just so you shall make. So you will follow, even in the teachings that we do, whether it's about this, the voice of the blood of Jesus, 
the, the tabernacle doing things according to the pattern. He is saying, if I didn't say do it a certain way, you don't do it that way. Don't add to it your little flourishes and your ideas about what you think will make it better. Don't use dirt wisdom, earth wisdom, to try to handle the things of the kingdom. Got it? Yeah. This is the pattern. This is the pattern. The pattern is keep the earthly, sensual, devilish out. And let the holy reign. All right? Okay. Next. And you shall see to it. This is Exodus 2540. You shall see to it that you make them according to the pattern which was shown you on the mountain. When you bring forth what God has, you have spent time with God so that he can show you what he has in mind. There's a lot of things that we would not be doing in the name of God if we really realized we never heard it. Because if he is in it, there's a pattern. Okay? I have a master seamstress here and seamstresses in this place. They may very well be able to create a pattern or create something just sewing, but I know that it's in order to, they have a pattern that they follow. Now, they may have designed it a certain way. There's a designer here. There's a pattern. There's an outline. There is a picture. There's an internal picture. It's not just happenstance. There's a master chef over here. Um, she can see, hey, know what is going to, what the ingredients, each ingredient that she adds to whatever it is. She knows what it's going to do. And so she has an expectation of a taste. And if it doesn't have that, she knows what's missing. Or she goes back and says, this is what, let's see, because there is within her that ability to design, uh, to, to create in that, in that way, something for the palate, and she cooks without sampling. She doesn't have to, I've watched this. I don't do that. <laughs> because I don't, I don't trust that. This, this, but, but our, my mother in this case, but our, our apostle knows the patterns of food, knows the rules, knows the, the taste and the blend. And so she's able, but she's still doing it according to the pattern. If Diana or Sharon or someone is sewing, if Michelle is designing or you are doing whatever your creative thing is, there is a pattern that you follow. Okay? No matter what. Music, all of these different things, there's a pattern that we follow. But what he says is you do it according to what I showed you. So you, there is a meeting with God with the Spirit of God that takes place before the work is done. And if we have not had that meeting, then it's going to be burned up that which we created. That's right. Okay, got it? So a lot of stuff was, 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 van was based in vanity. All right, that's Exodus 2540. And then this was, how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. Now, this is Psalm 119, verse 9, and that's the Tree of Life version. How can I, or another way, King James, how can a young man keep his way? By hiding your word, um, by hiding your word. My word have, your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. I want to stay in alignment. How do I do it? Guard it according to the word of God. Guard this word, treasure this word, treasure this relationship. Do not, just, it's not casual, as Mr. Dury was praying earlier, okay, and welcome back. I didn't welcome back to Christina, too. Um, Psalm 119, verse 11, your word I have hidden in my heart, okay, that I might not sin against you. Psalm 119, verse 130, you hear me say this all the time. Here it is. 
The entrance of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. So anybody can get it. Okay, I qualify as the simple. You want to stay in the simple. Because God's not complicated. Okay, so your, your, your uh, kingdom page, kingdom face page does never say in terms of relationship it's complicated. Got it? It's not complicated. It's only complicated if there's a devil in the details. Okay. Keep going. Verse 60 in Psalm 119. I made haste. You see, he didn't say I slowed my roll. And I did not delay to keep your commandments. Well, I know what he says, but right now I've got other things to do, so I'll deal with obeying God a little bit later. No, that's not in the pattern. Okay? All these things are patterns, are part of the pattern. And then verse 133, direct my steps by your words and let no iniquity have dominion over me. Now remember, these words were written, these are prophetic, but they were also written by a person that did, he understood blood in terms of the sacrifice to the temple. But he didn't have the inward dwelling, and yet he still knew, I want this more than any of us. Yes, David got distracted. Yes, this happened. Yes, that happened. But the thing is, is that at the forefront of his thinking and the, and the, and the purity of his heart, it's like, I, I, I want you. He had to pursue God. He had to keep pushing. I, I, want, I don't want this iniquity. I don't like this other part of me. And so in order for these things to change, I'm going to take heed to even the sacrifices that are given so that I can receive as much of you as possible. And that's the attitude of one that did not have the indwelling spirit of God. And so we cannot afford to be casual about that. And well, God's in me, you know, and he understands, and this, that, and the other, and all the things that the world would say, we don't say. Because Jesus didn't say. It's always there. I, why am I saying this God, when God didn't say it? Why am I saying this when God did not say it? Why am I repeating what I read in the news? Why am I repeating the things that the world is saying when God is not saying that. And I heard him say in our prayer call, 5 a.m. prayer call a few days ago, and I know it came out of my mouth because at the time it was kind of, you ever said something and then kind of stood to the side and looked at what you said like it was just written like, wow, we know that I didn't know this. Well, that's what I experienced quite often. And what, what I saw was the words of God said, I don't see it. I don't see the situation for this. Da, 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 da. I don't see it the way you do. That's not how it looks to me. It's like, wow. <coughs> your life, your this, your that, and, and the way we wail and whine. That's not what it looks like to me. That's not how I see it. So I really love that. Because you're like, okay, then I'm going to get in your lap so I can see. Well, because you're seeing, I want to see this, and I get to be intimate. I get to, to almost like a little kid dragging a teddy bear that walks up, or a bottle, you know, that walks up to the parents. You've seen the toddlers, and they'll climb up on the lap. They'll ask for permission. I mean, some of them, if the person is standing, uppies, uppies, you know, because they want to be picked up. But other than that, I don't have never seen a child that knows that it's love ever ask for permission to get in anybody's lap. For that matter, I haven't seen a dog. <laughs> that, that thinks it belongs to you, there's a relationship with you, 
if it's decided your lap is where I want to be. I've never seen a dog hesitate, like, oh, master, might I climb up? No, that's not the way that works. Now, if a dog can do that, or they may look at you with those little eyes, oh, okay, come here, baby, you know, all this kind of stuff. But do you understand, God is saying, I'm not going to cast you out. I'm going to do the things, I'm going to give you what you need so that the remedy is, is in place for you so that you can always enter into my presence. And the blood of Jesus is that. All right? Okay. So when the pattern of Jesus' obedience is, is followed by us, his glory is seen in us. His glory is seen in us. Now, look at this. John chapter 2, verse 11, it says, this is talking about the wedding at Cana of Galilee, but this is what it says. This beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. So the manifestation, the truth being seen about who he was caused those that were listening to him to also believe. And it wasn't their glory. It was his glory. And that's what he means. Go back up one, please. Again, when the pattern of Jesus' obedience is followed by us, when we're walking in the obedience of Yeshua, then his glory is seen in us. And then that will be the, those are the signs, the beginning of the signs of how he works through us, how the Father, the Son, the Spirit works through us to manifest, to show the truth of his glory, his presence, his power. The heaviness, the weightiness, the goodness of God. That's what's to be seen through us. And it happens by following the pattern of Yeshua. Everybody clear? Yeah. One more thing, manifestation. There's a slight uh, variation on the definition, but it says that the truth of who God is and what he has spoken is seen. The truth is seen. What truth? The truth of who God is and the truth of what he has spoken. That's the truth that is seen. So that's like truth is seen, and then he understands this is the truth we're talking about. There is no other. I want to say it again. God's not worried. God isn't worried about a single thing that is happening in this earth or this country or in your life. He's not worried. So we don't have any worries. We have things to do. We have tasks. We have assignments. We stay in our place. And do what we're to do. Do not be distracted to the left or to the right. Don't leave your post. You're going to be amazed at what you see God do. We will have none of this glory. We won't touch it. But it surely will manifest. Okay. With the truth is seen. Doing all the things we just said. Obeying him. Then... The will of God has been made known. All right? So the earth will see the will of God. We will see it in our individual lives, in our corporate gatherings, in our country. Nothing is over until the will of God has been done. That's right. You know, it's kind of funny because thinking like this, I know it's only people like this to hear this day. It's like a code. Yeah. Only he who has ears to hear. And if you're dull of hearing, we've just washed your ears with the blood of Jesus so that you can 
received it. All right? This is, okay, here's two expressions. This is what, and this is that. This is what. That's what Peter said. I last week I uh, gave the this, I credited Peter with this is that. I changed the letter. It's a W. <laughs> H, A, T. A W hat, as opposed to a T hat. Peter wore the W hat. This is what has been spoken. And Stephen said, this is that which was spoken. Hallelujah. All right? So you can find it in Acts 2.16 and uh, Acts 7.37. And those were those words. But see, Peter had to say, this is what. And then for, for then for Stephen to be able to say, hey, this is that. They go together. Got it? And we're, we'll get to explore that a little more, but I, I, want to, I need to, as I catch, as I catch an error um, or just a, you know, just a, a, a mis, misinformation or just speak it wrong, when it's caught, we, we change it and correct it. All right? Okay. All right. First John chapter 5, uh, 1 through 5 are the primary scriptures. And, and actually, it's 1 John 5, chapter 5, verses 1 uh, through 9 that we look at, and I'm going to go ahead and read them again. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves him, who begot, also loves him who is begotten of him. That is a sermon all by itself. That's a life-changing word all by itself. If I love him who begot, I also love those that is begotten of him. So, you know what? There's nobody on the planet that's excluded from that. Not a single human being. In the sense that God created man. And then those that come into the kingdom, that's a different, that's another level of begotten. One is the creation of mankind. And only person I can hate is the one that God does. And there's not a human being on the planet that God hates. And then when we come to the body, and I'm looking at the color of the house or the denominational sign on the house, the address, and I have a difference, no, I can't. If they're forgotten of him, and I am forgotten of him, and I believe that Jesus is the Christ, and I'm born of God, and I say I love him, then I also love those that he has forgotten. No exception. So that includes yourself. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. But this is the love of God, <laughs> that we keep his commandments. Well, there it is. Well, I, I think it's a, a mystical feeling. and it's a, No, he says it's the love of God is that we keep his commandments. Obedience. Obedience. Obedience is an expression of love towards God. Obedience to God is an expression of love for God. Okay? All right. Um, for, and his commandments are not too much for you. So that expression, oh, that's too much to ask, has to be deleted from the conversation. Because he didn't say it. Okay? For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. So there it is. That answers why you delete, because you overcome that. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Oh, God, increase our faith. It's like he said, if you had faith. So you might want to try a different approach, okay? Um, who is he who overcomes the world? He who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Anybody here believe that Jesus is the Son of God? 
then you have the overcoming gene in your body. You have the ability to overcome every obstacle and the expectation from heaven that you will because he is the overcomer in us. Got it? Okay. Go on. This is he who came, and this is the testimony that we're looking at. He came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not only by water, but with water, by water and blood. And that we're going to get into a little bit today. And it is the Spirit who bears witness, because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that bear witness in heaven, bear witness in heaven, testify in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one, and there are three that bear witness on earth the spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree as one. They bear witness on earth. There are three that bear witness in heaven, in earth as in heaven. The agreement is, but the, the functions are different. These are the functions, what? The, the, the spirit, the water, and the blood are all present in the earth. And that's why they are going to bear witness on earth of that which is in heaven. It bears witness, testifies that this is the truth. It's the legality of the blood. It's the legality of the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's the legal right for the Spirit to be present, for the blood to have its power, for the water to speak as it does. Got it? A little bit. Okay. It's all right. It's really okay. It's okay. And I'll, uh, we're going to get to that, too. So we're going to move into what we're talking about, the power-filled voice of the blood of Jesus. And each of those words will be broken down as we go. But this is, wait for it, lesson two. All right? Okay. Thank you, Chris. So you're really keeping up. All right. So for those that need to know that are watching us, you can find these messages online at www.astoundylove.org slash lessons. Or you can just go to the front page and click on the picture uh, that we have that will take you directly to it. And that's where you will find the lesson outline. Uh, this one you'll have by Wednesday. And then the video, and uh, which will be just the shortest version so that you can catch up and we'll go straight into the lesson. All right? So having said all that, we're going to continue on. So lesson two. What I'm going to give, what we're going to have today is, and lesson two is going to go on for two weeks. Because I'm not, I'm only going to be able to touch something and uh, that we get right toward the end, and therefore next week we want to really dig in, and probably on Wednesday we'll also talk about it. So lesson two, we're going to look at the, uh, have an overview, the facts, the questions, and topics. That, yes, ma'am. I'll do that. Okay. All right. So we're going to look at the overview. Here we're going to get an overview, we're going to do the, look at the facts, raise some questions, and look at some topics. So this is, this is really getting into the meat of it. What you got last week is going to kind of, it rolls into this. And so as you do work through the questions and do the work on the worksheet and put it in your binder and also have your journal, then as you continue on this journey, you're going to, it's going to become a very, beautiful, bloody walk, all right? So I want to do a few reminders, too. So here's a reminder. If you allow this word to dwell in you, you will be, read it. Healed, healed, delivered, transformed, established in your faith, and 
going. Your heart will be soft toward God and hard toward the things of the world. Your eyes will see, your ears will hear, your mouth will speak what God wants you to speak. Keep going. You will be in the Holy Spirit, led in every dream and in every prayer. Authority according to you have established by the blood of Jesus. The world and the people around you will be changed for the better. Okay, and last one. You will be highly productive, intentionally obedient, effective in acts of righteousness, clean, 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 and whole. Wonderful. Now let's go back up to that, to the first part. You will be healed. Okay? Okay. So now, actually go up one more. So we're, well, if you allow this word to dwell in you, now let's make it a statement. If I allow, if I allow this word to dwell in me, word word dwell in me I will be. I will be healed, delivered, transformed, established in my faith and kingdom identity, on course in my journey, free of religion, pride, jealousy, insecurity, and competitive comparison. My heart will be soft toward God and hard toward the things of the world. My eyes will see, my ears will hear, my mouth will speak what God wants me to speak. I will move into the my, yeah, go ahead. Led degrees of intercessory prayer, authority according to the pattern established by the blood of Jesus. The world and the people around me will be changed for the better. I will be highly productive, intentionally obedient, effective in acts of righteousness, clean, 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 and whole. And that's just the starter. All guaranteed by and courtesy of what? The power filled voice of the blood of Jesus. So evidently this is nothing. These I will statements are not satanic in content. Because I will not exalt, I cannot, none of this speaks of exalting self. It says if I allow the word to dwell in me, then the word will do that work and that I will is the will of God. And that my saying I will is my agreement with what God says. Got that? Okay. So you can see it's not a race. Now, I have looked at your beautiful faces and I see, I'm not going to tell you what I see, but I'm also not moved by what I see. And I get it. I totally get it. It's like, all these things you're thinking that God did not say. Okay? This is a spirit-to-spirit conversation. That's what you have to understand. And so let's answer a question. Why is this message spirit-to-spirit? Because the carnal mind is hostile. It's hostile towards and it's at war with the established patterns of God. You'll find that in Romans 8, 7. That the mind is at enmity. The carnal, carnal flesh is at enmity. It's at war. It's hostile towards the things of God. So God does not speak to us flesh, spirit-to-flesh. He speaks to us spirit-to-spirit. That's why I said it's almost like a cult, because it's a, you have to be in it in order to understand it or even to have the capacity to understand it. But when we are so used to trying to understand things according to, according to natural knowledge and according to 
old rules and regulations and traditions that God did not establish that and the memories of the things of our past or the you don't know what I've done kind of lies that the, that the satanic accuser has said to you that, that those are blocked in because they're all carnal, they're all flesh. And they get in the way of that conversation when you try to understand what God is saying according to who you think you are. Because who you think you are may not be, most likely is not, what God says that you are, who God says you are. Now, Wednesday, I made a comment, and I, I don't, I'm going to go ahead and clean it up a little bit or just massage it and, 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 and enlarge on it. I said that one of the easiest gathering places to find hypocrites is at church. But that was not a derogatory statement. You can find a lot of hypocrites, a lot of phonies in church. The people, oh, yes, I know. No, no, no. No. Because we have lived our lives like the world falsely in ignorance of who God says that we are. That's what is the reason for the, that's the reason for hypocrisy or, or what we say, the phoniness of our lives, the, the counterfeit lives that we have lived is because we've walked in ignorance of what God has said and we have tried to build with our own hands. A self-righteous person, instead of receiving the righteousness of God, that causes us to be revealed as a son. You with me? So when I say I'm, I've been being a hypocrite about this or I've been phony about this, it means I've walked in darkness, had a darkened understanding of the truth. I have to make that discovery, get that revealed knowledge. In other words, the entrance of his word turns on the light. So Psalm 119, 130 starts to come in because of my desire to walk in his ways, to do what it says in Psalm 119, verse 9 and verse 11. I want to keep my way pure. I want to know how to protect this thing. I want to have this intimacy, and I have an advantage over the, the psalmist, which is that I actually have that power that I desire. He's residing on the inside of me. So I have the can-do on the inside of what I say I want to do. You understand? And I'm in agreement with what he desires for me and what he put me here for. So hypocrisy or phoniness or living a false life according to the will of God, it's like, well, this is what we're here to say. Got that? So that's why. Because your mind is not going to get this and it was ne it's your spirit gets it, and through the indwelling of the word, your mind will be clean and changed. Cleaned and changed. That's how repentance works. Okay? Because repentance is that will. It is that change of thought that comes because that area has just been cleaned. And it makes room for the word to dwell. So that's part of what that. So, okay, having said that, let's continue and we'll uh, move on. Yeah, that is the hope. So we're two slides back. Okay. Yeah, you need to move the slides, please. Okay. All right. One more. All right. So our focus, this is what our focus is further exploration of the quality of Jesus' flesh. 
we get this, we have to understand what the quality of his blood is. And your scripture is 1 Peter 1, verses 18 and 19. Okay? So going on, we're looking at the blood of Jesus from heaven's perspective. So in 1 Peter, it talks about how we have not been redeemed with silver or with gold, but we have been redeemed by a substance that is precious. He says that you have been redeemed. You can turn there. If you have your Bible, you do have your Bible. Of course, you have your Bible. A real Bible. Real Bible. Let me see the real Bible. Let me see the real Bible. Okay, who does not have the real Bible? We got one. Okay. We got a few up here. Who does not have a real Bible? Everybody has a real. Okay, we need. Um, she needs one. A real Bible. You know, a real Bible doesn't come with uh, text messages. Phone, missed phone calls. Yeah. Or any other kind of notifications. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. I think so. Right, that's it. Or she may have it. Okay. It's handled, sort of. All right. So go to First Peter. Thank you. Yeah, a real Bible. Okay, one that does not need to be plugged in. You don't have to charge your phone or your tablet. All right. So First Peter chapter one. Verses 18 and 19 is what we're looking at. The whole chapter, you should, you, if you've been doing some of the work, you've already been looking at this. But he says in verse 18, for you know, you know. Now that's really great. You know that you were not redeemed from your vain way of life inherited from your father with perishable things like silver or gold. So you were not on an auction block and they, they, they paid for you. You weren't, you weren't purchased with corruptible earthly you were not purchased with anything that came from the earth, from the ground, from the dirt. He says you were not redeemed that way from this life that you inherited or from that bloodline life. You were not redeemed with perishable things, but with the precious blood of Messiah as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Now, redeemed, we talked about that last week, and we looked at it. So now we're going to look at the blood from, of Jesus from heaven's perspective. So the first point was what? His blood is precious. I'm going really fast. Okay. His blood is precious. That, that's that first thing, and everybody got that last week. His blood is precious. But what we may not have looked at in quite the same way was what the quality of that was about. So what we um, did not necessarily see was how unique it is, okay? Let's establish a few facts and we'll go on. First of all, Mary was the carrier of his body. She was not the blood source. That's going to be very important to know because some people like to teach that, oh, it was the blood of Mary mixed with the blood of God that created this person. That's not true. And the Bible testifies of that in Luke 1.31 and Luke 1.35. It will tell you about this holy thing that will be put in you. In fact, let's go over there um, just so you, you see that. Um, 
don't count that one out, but I will. So we're going to look just uh, at Luke chapter 1, and we're going to look at verse 31. This is when the angel came. He said, Behold, you shall conceive in your womb, and you will bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. That's what the angel told her, but the angel also, because she said, well, how is this going to be? And the angel answered, and he said, the Holy Ghost shall come upon you, and the power of the Most High, or the Highest, shall overshadow you. Epithiaso is the name, it's the word, it means overshadow. And um, what he's saying there, i got to say it right, okay, epithiaso is the word, and it means to influence you, to, to really to put you in another place for that moment. And he said, and the power of the highest shall overshadow you, therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of you. So it tells you right there, you're, you're conceiving as in you are receiving into you this, this holy seed, but it doesn't take anything of you. You're simply the carrier. That's all you are. Her blood is not intermingled. And anybody that ever tells you so is a liar. There is no contamination in the blood of Jesus. Otherwise, this word precious, now you're starting to see, this is necessary to understand what heaven means by precious. Because Peter was not the one that just said that. Oh, you know, it's precious. No, heaven gave him an understanding. Let me tell you why this is so why this redemption is not earthbound. That's what it starts, you start to get. We get, start to get an understanding of what value heaven put on us when heaven's blood is what we're being. Okay. Well, that's interesting. Okay. So we'll move on now. All right. So then he said, that holy thing which shall be born of you shall be called, called in this word, is also saying, recognize he is bidden, he is called forth, summoned, is the person that is known as the Son of God. So this is a calling forth, kaleo, comes forth. This is an office, a dignity, a recognition from heaven about who this is. This holy thing, that's the way they defined it. And then go to Hebrews chapter 10, uh, because I want you to see it. And I don't think I put it up there. So Hebrews chapter 10, Jesus made a comment in verse, uh, the Spirit of the Lord, he made a comment in verse 4. He says, wherefore, when he comes into the world, when he came into the world, he said, sacrifice and offering you did not require, but a body have you prepared for me. So it was a body that was put in her. It was the body with complete with the blood that came from heaven, pure blood, untainted. Man didn't have a thing to do with it. Mary was hailed as the one to carry him, not to create him. Hallelujah, that's right. Got that? That's right. Okay. Yes, I really emphasize that. Because this is when it gets really awesome, okay? This blood of Jesus is uniquely sourced from the Father. 
Man had nothing. Say nothing. Nothing, nothing to do with it. Now, this is why the quality of Jesus' blood is precious. It is faultless. It is untainted. And this is what really just set me off. Ready? It is filled with the life of God. Oh, you'll get it. It's filled with the life. This blood is filled with the life of God. Now, keep going. Jesus' precious blood is as alive as Jesus. This blood is alive, baby. Jesus' precious blood is as alive as Jesus is. Okay? Now, let's keep going. I want to tell you more. And. The blood of Jesus has a voice. Hebrews 12, verse 24, tells us, and again, you don't have to write this down. You'll get it. I promise. And to Jesus, who is the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood sprinkling that speaks, this blood speaks better things than of Abel. Abel's blood cried out for redemption. Jesus' blood spoke to that and answered it. Okay? So, this is where you get that scripture. The blood speaks. The blood speaks. Okay, good. Now, let's keep going. His blood is precious in its power. We, this is a review. It's precious in, his blood, in its power to redeem us from sin. Yes? Yes. yes? yes. His blood is precious in its power to cleanse us from sin. Yes. Okay, you saw that last week. You are pronounced clean by his blood. That's the, a pronouncement is a royal decree, you know. It's like, hear ye, hear ye, citizens of the earth. By way of the blood of Jesus, we pronounce you clean. <laughs> we'll get it. First John 1 says, sometimes, let me tell you something. I'll read this, I'll study this, and I, all, I tend to always feel female, woefully ignorant of everything that I, I get to do. And I think, oh, my God. And I have these conversations with the Holy Spirit, and he's so fun. So I said, I don't know this. Stuff. He says, no, but I do. I do. And you're willing to let me speak. So it'll be all right. It's okay, thank you. I'll just be out of it. Right? But then the next thing is, as I'm going to sleep, it, it happens a lot. I'm just this is what was what and you said this and all of a sudden I'm like wide awake last night this happened to me after four o'clock and he said yeah but I'll I'll, I'll, I'll speak it out to you so go to sleep <laughs> I was like okay and it was because I just but your blood is alive your blood is alive yes we know this we know. oh it's living blood yes I know this I know it, but now I'm starting to know. That's why it's like, forget about what you, oh, I've heard this and I've done this and this before, what you've done, but let's talk about what he's doing now. This message is awesome to me because it's being, it's created specifically for us out of all the messages on the blood, and they are some incredibly wonderful teachings on the blood of Jesus. The Spirit of the Lord is crafting a message about the voice of his blood.
very personal. This is such an honor to me to be able to stand here, to be able to release anything about this blood that gave me the ability to do it in the Bible, to give honor to his blood and to his person, and to build faith in his blood that I never had before. Oh, I can pray, I can do this, I can, this is not about what I can do, this is about what he has done. And I know that by the time we have gone through the, the, this round of it, that we are going to be so transformed. I've said this before, that out of our mouths will come blood. We'll spew, we'll release the flow of blood that causes people to be healed in our prayer. We're going to see what we see in Acts. And it's not something that we're going to try to just write a book about, but it's the book being written about us. It's the testimony that God is writing about us. This is the book of remembrance that God is writing about us. You understand? So don't be casual with this. I had to, I've told a few people because they they had complaints. They had what they had opinions about the way the Holy Spirit wants to do it. And his response was just do it according to the pattern. And so he's smart enough to know how different we are. But he still said do it according to the pattern. Why? Because there's only one pattern, and he's in us to help us to, to go with it. Yes, he is. Okay? All right. So you are pronounced clean by his blood. And in 1 John 1, 7 says, if we walk in the light, as he is in the light. We do have fellowship one with another in him. It's in him, in him, in him. Okay? And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. You cannot walk in the mentality that the things of the past have more power than the cleansing power of his blood. Oh, but some of us do. And we're going to answer that today. We're going to respond to that. You are worth blood to God. Okay? This is what he's talking about. But when he says blood, he means the blood of his son. He's talking you are precious. You are worth this precious blood. You know, people that don't have an appreciation for certain things, you don't really want to waste your resources on them. If there's a person that says, well, I'm not really into thus and so, and you're serving it, it's like, well, then don't give it to them. Don't even waste the portion. You know, let them have whatever it is that they want. I'm not, I'm not trying to put anybody down, so I'm, I'm not going to be specific on things, but, but it's like, oh, well, I don't really like that. It's like, well, then the high quality of what this is would be wasted on you because you have no appreciation for it from the beginning. And that's the way we can be sometimes when we, oh, I just don't, I'm not into that, I'm not into that. Like, you know, nobody actually asks you what you're into. I told you what I'm into. You want to engage in relationships? This is what I'm into. Mrs. Foster. One day we had the privilege, it was a dinner party at Apostle, at Dr. Baker's house, Thanksgiving. And I am a relationship person, so I'm like, oh, how did you meet? So we heard about how he saw her and he heard the song, Hey, 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 in his head when he saw that beautiful woman. And his approach, I'm sure, was smooth and so forth. And then I guess, uh, I, don't correct me, but at this point, if I'm uh, right, but my understanding is he invited her to dinner. And he made dinner for her, and he made something that's important to him. He made her chitlins. Oh. <laughs> this is the proving of the relationship. 
is this woman really, really, you know, the one, right? She said, this is what she said, and if you're watching, I, I pray I got this right. She said, and I knew, I'm paraphrasing it, she says, because it was important to him, I had to eat him. She didn't like him. That wasn't her, I'm not into that. But it was important to him. And because he was important to her. I ain't going to tell you that she probably said, oh, baby, we're going to have these chitlins today. Because we had a, quite a lovely bonding over that. But the man was important enough to her. It wasn't going to violate her principles. It wasn't going to, this wasn't something that was a sin. This was an engaging in relationship where you learn about the person. And sometimes, I don't personally fish. But maybe that's something that you're called to do. It's like, well, i got to show up for this stuff that I'm so not into. <laughs> because otherwise it's all about me. Right. Which, as much as we might like it to be, that's not relationship. You looking for somebody to love you, you're looking in the wrong direction. You're already loved. What you're waiting for is the one that God wants to release his love for them through you. Not you looking for love. Don't look for love. Love has already found you. You understand? Okay. That's it. That was free. All right. So you're redeemed. Let me keep going. And we looked at what the word redeemed means. We've been ransomed. We've been cleansed. Keep going. And his blood is precious in its power to wash us, which we talked about last week, to remove the defilement of sin. And so then we looked at the word wash, so there that is a reminder, and the two different versions of it that were there. And now we're going to get to this. In the first covenant, blood on the altar was given to make a covering or an atonement for the living, breathing soul. Okay? In the first covenant, this is what it talks about in Exodus, and you will build this, and you will do that, and, and so forth. Now, what he was saying is this. The life substance of the flesh is in the blood. For the life of the flesh is in the blood. You've read that. The life substance of the flesh, this is where we get a little scientific, but I think you're going to love it, is in the blood. Anybody familiar with that expression? Yeah. The life of the flesh is in the blood. The life of the flesh is in the blood. So I started thinking about that. I, said, I don't really know what that means. I know what it means, but I don't know what it means. Meaning what? So see, I asked, that was my question to him. Meaning what? And here we go. Meaning the blood is housed in a body. It's housed in a body. Okay? Blood, that's where the house, okay, which means what? That God put his life force, his breath, within the blood that flows in the dust of the ground body. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> the life of the flesh is in the blood. Well, then, what, where, where's, what's the source of life? There's only one. God, if the life of the flesh is in the blood, then the life itself is in the blood. The blood carries life. The blood is the carrier. Keep going. Genesis 2 7. I'll read that to you. Okay? It says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. Okay? So there's this dirt body. And breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul, which means what was in that breath? What went into that body? 
blood went into that body because the life was contained in the blood. So when we got life, we got blood because it has to be carried somehow. Don't try to get it with your mind. Just take it. Just take it. I'm just telling you. It's like, you, you already know this, okay? Anybody familiar with the expression, they bled out? Well, what happened? The breath departed, the blood depleted, and the person was what? Dead. Because there was no, there was still blood in there. But breath had departed, which means life had left the body. I love this. Blood, what I'm saying, what is blood? The physical carrier of breath. Blood is the physical carrier. Here's the body. Inside the body is blood, which the heart does this, goes here, goes there, flows. We talk about friction and how blood will flow. You just do this, and all of a sudden, this part of you, uh, I wouldn't want to do too much because it's kind of hot up here, but doing this will cause the warmth to happen because the blood is flowing into this place. And therefore, what? Life has flowed to this place. When your circulation, you say, oh, my circulation is, and you start creating friction, then you will cause a flow of blood. Because life will go to that place. Blood flows. So it's in a physical carrier. Life is. And the physical carrier of life is blood. Okay? All right. We'll keep going. Neither man nor Satan can create a, or manufacture life because neither man or the devil can duplicate the breath of God. It was huge. And remember, there was another time. Receive the Holy Ghost. Receive this life getting forth. Receive this, receive this, receive this. Okay? When life or breath departs from the bloodstream, the person dies. Because the breath is God. And the life is that breath, right? Okay. So the blood carried it. And the blood will stay warm in a human body for a little bit. But because there's no more life, everything expels. So the blood in and of itself, this is interesting because even when people do blood transfusions, it's a life to life transfusion. The, the, the cells, the this, the that, the conversation of the blood of Jesus, the conversation of the breath of God is in that blood. It's awesome. And we're going to do more with it later, but I just, this is the overview. Why? So that we start understanding what we're talking about. Resurrection power is only available through the life of God. So when we talk about the resurrection power of the blood, we're talking about the life of God in the blood. That's why it's so important to understand that the blood of Jesus is alive. Because now you're starting to see, wait a minute, the life is in that blood, it's blood, the resurrection power is in that blood, the word of God is in that blood, and that's why the blood speaks of better truth. He testified, okay? All right. So now, again, Hebrews 12, 24, the blood of Jesus speaks. The blood of Jesus speaks. Everything I just told you was by 
courtesy of the blood of Jesus. That's what it is telling us. And that word, when I say that, meaning the blood has a voice. That's the blood of Jesus speaks. The blood has a voice. The blood talks. The blood preaches. This is what the word speaks means. The blood says, it tells, and it utters the truth about itself. That's what it does. Hallelujah. It emits a sound. You might call it a vibration. It's a, a frequency. The blood of Jesus has a frequency, the highest frequency in all of us. It utters articulate words. It specifies the understanding and the desires of God. He says, and I think it's in Ezekiel, I passed by you in your blood, and I said, live. Live, because only God and us through God have the power to say, live, and you will. Because the blood says, you spoke that, and I will flow there and manifest myself. So healing in your body. Because we look at you and we say, live, live, live. And we're releasing the voice of the blood of Jesus. So here's the first question I want to raise. Can you recognize the voice of the blood? Well, yes, you can. I didn't say do you. I said can you. So yes, you can. Because you, to you, it has been given to me. Because it's in you, because it covers you, because it speaks to you and speaks for you. Do you know what it says about you? And so we're getting to that. And so that's a provoking question to say, you know, I'd like to know more about what you say, instead of assuming that I know. Because it has a lot of conversations. One of the things it says, your sins are not just covered, but you're washed, you're cleansed. You're free of all sin by my blood, by his blood. Okay. This is one of the things he says. And it says, so I'm asking the question, if we're going to, like I said, next week we're going to really get into this. So the question, do you believe what it says about you? So there's three questions that we raised there. Do you, can you recognize the voice of his blood? Do you know what it says about you? And do you believe what it says? So those are going to be three questions that you'll have in your mind as you're listening to this. Because you got to move well past religion in order to understand this. Hallelujah. Religion is of the mind, of the intellect. This is of the spirit. <laughs> got it? From the inside. Okay. So, Mark chapter 7, verses 14 through 23, um, tells you, tells you, uh, let me see where I want to go, verse 14. It says, when he had called all the people, he said to them, I want you to hearken unto me, everyone, and understand. First thing he said, I want you to hear me, pay attention to what I'm saying, and I want you to understand. When Yeshua released these words, this was the will of God speaking. I just gave you what he said, he, what he told you, this is the will of God. Hearken to me. Um, listen to me. Pay attention to what I'm saying. Hear and have heard. Having heard. You're going to get understanding. I want you to take this in. I don't want you to just mentally accept it. I want you to accept this in every part of you. And then he says this. 
understand, come into this, okay? So this is spirit. I'm not, this is not spoken to the natural mind. The natural mind is trying to, the intellect was trying to understand it. You know this because every time he says things like this, it says, then afterwards the disciples went to the end of the collection. What, what, what did that mean? So they didn't get it. Which is hope for us. Thank God they asked the questions because he answered them. I ask the same questions all the time. What does that mean? And sometimes the Lord asks me, do you know what that means? No, sir, I do not. I, I, I totally get that I don't know. But I also am excited that you asked me because it means you're going to tell me. I'll get the first the first removal of, of, of the veil of my life, and I'm going to come to a place of understanding. Then he says, there's nothing without a man, outside of a man, that entering to him can defile him. Now, he's talking food, okay, these things. And, but the things which come out of him, those are they that defile the man. And so we've taught that and taught that, but okay, sure. Um, so, okay, okay, sure, whatever. And we move along because it's not the most popular scripture. All right, but then verse seven, uh, chapter, verse sixteen. If any man has ears to hear, let him hear. So that's the second thing he said. If you have ears to hear, hear. So what did he say? Since you have ears, I'm saying the opening of your ears has come, so that you will have understanding of this. This has to be inside ears. And they, these people were not born from above. They were still spiritually dead because Jesus had not died. So therefore, there is nobody in these conversations that is born from above. But the Spirit is still speaking because he's speaking and putting words forward with understanding being released into the earth so that as soon as then, okay, the what will come to the that. What he said, and then when understand, this is that, which he was saying, what he was saying. All right? So the what and the that come together. First, it's released. That's what he did. This is the what. And then as you study, you'll get to the that. That's good. Okay. Then the next thing he said, and when he didn't hear into the house from the people, his disciples asked him concerning the parable. What, what did that mean? He was comparing what to what now? This is apples to oranges. I think I, I didn't really. What, what, can you help us? We, we don't really get this. And, you know, they're looking at each other. Did you get mad? You ask them, you ask them. I guess we're all asking because nobody seems to have gotten it. Because nobody is, oh, I think that is, oh, it's wonderful. You know how you have people that are so phony, like, hallelujah, yes, hallelujah. You mean, get more gut squat. No, but I'm just excited about it. Okay, I get that. I'm excited that I'm in here.
Pay attention to what you allow to come out of your mouth. And pay attention to the things that you say that originate from the words of others. What comes out of a man? Not just you, but any. What comes out of them has the power, the ability, the opportunity to defile you. Because that's what he was saying. You can get defiled. Okay? Now, defiled is something that um, I have. We're going to get to it. Isaiah 59, verses 1 through 3. Um, I'm not going to, I'm going to highlight it right now. But it's basically telling you God is able to save. He says the Lord's arm is not short, but he can't save and this, that, and the other. And he can hear you. But you have to, but you need his remedy is what this is saying. And your ongoing perverse ways cause separation between you and him. And there's no blood to cover your sin. That's what he was telling them. And your hands, he said, are defiled with the guilt, the perversity, the depravity, and the stain of sin. So this is what happens. You're stained with this thing. Then, so defiled is to soil or to desecrate, to defile, to pollute, and to stain. And that's what he was talking about in that area, in the Hebrew, okay, from Isaiah. Now, in Genesis 34, too, it's the accounting of Shechem, uh, Shechem, I think his name was, uh, the one that raped David's daughter, Dinah. And she was raped. She, well, it says, oh, he loved her, and so he raped her. That's not love. That's love. So he had this great aspiration, but decided, before I make her mine, I'm going to take her. And uh, whatever that was. So she was forced to submit to an unclean act. And when she was forced to do that, she was defiled or dirty by the sin of another. So another thing that defiling does, it stains us, it dirties us. Okay? These things, what happens? It afflicts, it abased, it hurt, it weakened, it ravaged, it forced her, and it dirtied her. And where do these things usually find a resting place? In your soul. Now we're starting to, to look at this. This is why we said, wait a minute, this is a spirit message. But your soul processes things and argues with the truth. Because of dirt, because of stains, because of the past, because of the defiling of you. Everybody with me? Okay, we got about 10 minutes to get real critical and all up in it, okay? Leviticus 18, 20 through 24, when you read that, God set standards of conduct, and he told him, you're not going to do this and that, and you read that, it's like, ooh, this is graphic. Yes, it is. Do not have sex with animals. Do not have sex with men, uh, other uh, of your same gender. Do not have sex with your neighbor's wife. Don't commit all these different things. He set standards of conduct concerning sexual purity and fidelity in place of perversity of any kind. And he also said, do not pass your children to Moloch. Don't sacrifice your children for your own ambition. And so the protection of children in place of sacrifice, and then he also talks about the proper places of your beast, your animal, and it ain't in your bed with you like that, okay? All right, so why? Because you're defiled. You're foul, unclean, impure. And so people walk around with this sense of dirt and stain, feeling unclean. And, and no matter how much you tell them about the blood of Jesus, that's soul, that stain, that impurity, that sense of dirtiness stays with us because we haven't washed ourselves. First Chronicles 5.1 is really interesting because it talks about Reuben, the firstborn, 
the son of Israel, Jacob's son, who sinned the sin of defiling his father's bed because he had sex with Bilhah. And his actions caused, now his actions, his love caused his son to miss out on their birthright of the firstborn. It was given to Joseph's sons in place. And so he wounded, Reuben's actions wounded his own children, his own offspring, with their genealogy being removed from its proper order. I think it was third. So what happened? He defiled his, his bloodline and caused a wound that hit their soul. He bore it. it it's like a, when they say to bore, it means like a drill. Okay, it went in there without Novocaine, a drill without Novocaine, if you will, without an anesthesia of any kind. He wounded them. He dissolved a certain thing in them, a hope and an expectation that was in them. He broke his word. He prostituted his, his birthright. And he brought sorrow, stain, and a wound to his own. And you want to know something that's awesome? Look at this. That word that talks about what Reuben did is the same word that you find in Isaiah 53, 5. He was wounded for our transgression. That's what it's telling you. He took the, 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 the dirtiest, the biggest stains, the worst of everything. He took the degrading, the defilement, the uncleanness, the sense of what Dinah went through, the idea of any rape victim. He took it all. Everything that you say, this happened to me as a child, and this happened, and that happened as an adult. I was raped, I was molested, I was this, I was this, I was sacrificed, I was this, I was this. And he says, yes, and you are cleansed from it by my blood. I don't care what it is. Past, present, today, whatever. The blood of Jesus is more powerful than the stains, the wounds, the dirt. The remembrance and the uncleanness of sin. But people will sit there and they'll look at you and they'll go, yes, but you don't understand. Understanding comes from the Spirit of God. You don't understand, but you can today. Despite, he says, the power of the blood of Jesus, there's some of God's people, God's people, that still bear the marks of defilement in their souls. Okay? Common. That's the other one. To be made common. To be like the world. To have things in common with the world that are not of the kingdom. I know they're wounded. I know they're hurt. We know all these things. But see, we take the remedy first, put the oxygen on first, so that from that clean vessel we can minister with the same hope with which we have been. You see, with the same that you have, with the same that you have. You see, and so common things in common, talking the way they do, the gossip, the the defilement, the the, the repeating of the the rhetoric, the commonality. Of man, and one of the definitions I saw that I thought was real good—I uh, don't think I have it in front of me—but they said that to be common is to be contaminated by the things that that the world has to say, and it's to have those things in common to to think that you are the same as they are, but the blood of Jesus is 
precious, which makes you uncommon. Not common. You've been uncommon. You understand? So when you walk in the futility of your mind, when you walk in the darkness, when you walk in the dirt, when you walk in the belief that you are stained with a stain that cannot be cleansed, when you walk in the belief that you are held captive by the things that other people say, do, or talk about you, you are walking common. These things you have been redeemed from. Now you understand, oh, no, no, I paid for that. And when you came in, you took that. Now you have to remind your soul of this. Your spirit was saved. And now your soul gets to receive the washing of the water of the word and the blood. The blood speaks to this. This is the conversation of the blood of Jesus. So he says, my blood is the remedy for all these things. You've already been washed. People go, well, I already have. What about this? Okay. Let's get your theology straight. Anybody ever have a baby or be around a baby? New baby, okay? Um, imagine how beautiful, precious, and washed those babies, right? Okay, then that baby grows up to be, let's say, 35, and you only washed it the one time when it was born. Or, let's bring it closer to home. You only washed you once. January 1st, that's my day of bathing. And I'm finished until next year. I guess it is a way to be lonely. <laughs> okay, so so let's get this established. Born from above, you have been washed by the blood. You got that? You have been washed. Now, but because of the sin, okay. Because of the defilements of life, listening to the wrong conversation, getting into an argument with somebody you shouldn't have been in, the defiling of life, the uncleanness, being associated with certain things, watching or participating in things that pertain to pornography or this, this perversity, all those things are defiling. And so he says there is a thing, uh, another washing. Remember at the beginning of today, and I said I wash our minds, our wills, our emotions, I wash eyes, ears, nose, to start to smell something different, our tongues, our lips being clean, our hands and our feet. And all these things are connected in the ways of the priesthood. The ways of the tabernacle. They wash daily, twice a day, in order to do the sacrifices. But the scripture, and we'll get into it, tells us that sacrifice has already been done once for all. That's Hebrews chapter 10. We don't have to do that. But you should be washing at least once a day. Yeah. Physically, right? Yeah. How much more in the spirit? Okay. So, here it says, because... Oh, I got five. Okay, four minutes. Ready? Set. Try. Okay. <laughs> because of the sin removing cleansing power of his blood, we can wash ourselves in his blood. We can wash ourselves in his blood. Got that? Yeah. And we can remove the stains, the dirt, the commonness, common affinity with the ways of the world, and heal the wounds with his blood. Not on our own. Okay? Y'all get that? Yeah. Y'all got this? Anybody need it? Yeah. All right. Oh, yeah. Then this is the last activation. <laughs> Only have two slides left. Okay. So, let the blood speak. So, we do. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for that which has been said. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for this blood. 
My ears are open to hear this. My ears are open. So, now, in the name of Jesus, I wash my mind, my will, and my emotions. All of the things that pertain to being stained or defiled in any way. Everything that is common in me, that is not in you. Everything that is stained in me. Everything that is wounded in me. Everything that is dirty in me. I wash my mind with the blood of Jesus. You don't have to physically put it. And I wash the mind of every person under the sound of your voice speaking through me with the blood of Jesus to remove the dirt, the commonalities, to remove the stains of sin, to remove the wounds of the past, to remove the defilement of life. In the name of Jesus, I wash our eyes for everything that we have seen that has entered into our gate, things that we were not supposed to see from childhood, things that we were not supposed to see on the television, in a magazine, in an email, whatever it is, we wash the eyes right now in the blood of Jesus. I wash our ears for every corrupt communication that we have heard, everything that we have heard that is a lie, that we have repeated, everything we believe about sicknesses and diseases and, and, and the COVID thing and everything else that we have believed that you did not say. I wash our ears in the blood of Jesus and I wash our nose so that the smell that we smell is purified, that we smell the blood everywhere. And if we don't smell the blood, we speak until the smell of the blood of Jesus, the life force of the blood of Jesus manifests within. And I wash our mouths, our tongues, and our lips for every corrupt communication, every dirty word, every staining word, every common word, every corruptible communication so that we are cleansed from saying those things. And then wherever our hands have been that they did not belong, I wash our hands in the blood of Jesus for the cleansing, for the purifying, for the holiness of God to be present within us. And I wash our feet so that our pathway, wherever we have walked that you did not want us to be, that our paths are corrected and we walk in the newness of life. This we activate, release by the power, the voice, of the blood of Jesus released into us all now in your name. Glory to God. Now that we're going to get into some more. But you can do the exact same thing you should. You do it over you. And then you do it over your children. And then you do it over your children's children. You do it over your co-workers, over your family members. You do it over the people of this nation. You wash them in the blood of Jesus so that the voice of the blood of Jesus begins to speak. It's speaking, it's speaking, it's speaking. Wash your marriages. Wash your relationships. Wash your relationship with your children. Wash your relationship with your spouse. Wash your relationship with yourself. Wash yourself in the blood so that everything starts to come into alignment. If you are beholden to somebody else and they have you feeling like you're a prisoner, you're obligated to live life according to them, wash that thing in the blood of Yeshua and watch and see how the blood speaks. Oh, precious is the blood that makes me white as snow. No other sound I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Amen. Wow. Thank you for joining us today.
in 15 minutes, a pasta baker, minister Jerry Foster and a pasta baker will be back for biblical solutions for life session two next Sunday. Um, if you're tuning into this class, you'll tune in at 11.45. Minister Jerry Foster will be bringing the word at the 9.45 service, this particular one, and uh, I will be ministering in the 11.45 service. So we'll also see you on Wednesday. I thank you so much for being a part of this. We want to hear your testimony. We invite you to write in at www, uh, contact us at astoundinglove.org. Tell us your testimony. This is not a one-time prayer. Twice a day, you can start watching. We're going to give you the scriptures. Tune in to the website for the homework. And I think that's all I have to say. So thank you so much for joining us.